How's it going, everyone? Joe Gagne here, welcoming you to edition number 16 of Joe vs. the World. Only one guest this week, but we have quite the guest. If uh, you've been online, you've probably read something from this man, whether it was his Raw and Nitro recaps during the Monday Night War, SmackDown Thunder recaps, or his current ECW recaps. He is Christopher Robin Zimmerman. We call him CRZ. CRZ, how you doing? Joe, you are really scraping the bottom of the barrel. Admit it. Well, the Cubs fan uh, is the money mark behind this. Uh, Warner Plumtree wasn't available. You had to get well, CRZ. Well, uh, Cubs fan, th- I thought it was a great idea. I'm surprised <laughs> I'd not think of it sooner, but uh, here well, we go. Well, you're very kind. Uh, oh, thank you. I hope I'm still relevant in some small way uh, and that uh, people are interested in hearing what I might have to say. I think so. How's the weather been in uh, your neck of the woods this week? Finally, finally, it's cooling off. It has just been terrible, but it's it's at that point where probably in a week or so we'll be saying what happened to summer and there'll be snow everywhere, but uh, we got all the windows open today, so I'm pretty happy. Yeah, it's actually been it's been warm, but not oppressively uh, hot in the Northeast as it has been. But I'm sure that just means a uh, cripplingly cold winter exactly. is coming. But but what can you do? And um, I have to ask this before when we were scheduling the show and we picked Thursday instead of Wednesday, you said um, I forgot the sexiest woman on television on Wednesday, and I was going to have to blow you off. Was that a Diva Search special reference, or is uh, there's just yes. something I'm missing? Oh, it was? It, okay. it was, that's what they called it. I oh. think they were trying to trap people who weren't necessarily wrestling fans. They were just scrolling through the cable guide looking for something, and, oh, sexiest woman on television. i got to see what that's about. Boy, would they have been disappointed. <laughs> did you actually watch that special? Or? I did, uh, only to avoid watching Project Runway in the other room. I see. So it was it was a sacrifice, but uh, I felt that in order to stay uh, involved, I can't keep up on SmackDown, but I'll certainly watch uh, the, the finals of the Diva Search. So what? I don't know anyone who watched this except you. So what happened? Why don't you give us a, uh, a patented recap there? Well, let's see. First of all, they uh, they each had individual limos, which means they each got a long walk from the. Uh, they were actually at the former site of uh, WWF New York, uh, mm-hmm. a place they would probably prefer to forget about, and yet there they were. Uh, currently, it's a Hard Rock Cafe, and the Paramount Theater downstairs is where they had it. So they came out of each of them came out of a limo. As we learned about more about these people than I had actually learned probably in the previous uh, you know four or five weeks of this contest. And of course, immediately after that, uh, co-host Ashlyn Massaro said, "Yeah, I was just talking to him backstage." Um, okay, <laughs> I thought they had just come out of limos and walked. Uh, no, you're really killing everything for me. Uh. But uh, there was uh, the lingerie contest. Uh, if it was possible to make a lingerie contest unsexy, uh, they managed to find a way. And, you know, I was just bitter from the first place. I didn't think JT had any business at all being there. She was, she had the personality of a mannequin, and uh, she didn't even look good enough to be a mannequin. So when they took out, you know, my favorite, Milena, who was easily the most greased-up woman, and that's, you know, what we look for, uh, I was a little bitter. But she was dropped out uh, halfway through the show, and then they had the faux uh, arm wrestling match, and then to surprise people, because anything can happen in the WWE, they said that they were going to have a makeout contest with host uh, Todd Grisham. Mm. Uh, we should be thankful that Miz wasn't there live, I guess. But they each had 20 seconds to, you know, quote, make out, end quote, with Todd Grisham. That's probably as bad as you can imagine it. And then just for fun, uh, they decided to have uh, another 20 seconds on the clock so that uh, uh, Layla and Jen could make out with each other. Ah. Uh. That was also about as unsexy, but there was a little more wriggling and rolling over and, you know, uh, PG-rated making out, I guess. Finally, the winner was declared. Uh, the crowd had been chanting Layla, Layla all night, so it really wasn't much of a surprise when Layla won. And really, she was the one with the curliest hair, so, you know, she had to win. 
Okay, well, I'm sure we'll see every other uh, reject uh, signed to a developmental deal at some point. So <clears throat> I have a feeling that you know Melina is probably the one on the bubble because her name is just too close to Melina that they just you know can't tell them apart. And there's probably someone there that thinks all those girls look alike anyway. Yeah. Well, that's uh, that's good to know. So we'll, we'll start at the we'll I'm start not at the beginning. I approve of it. I'm just saying that's how they think over there. No, no I, I can't argue with that. Okay. So. <laughs> My first question, how long have you been a wrestling fan, and when did you first get online? Uh, I've been a wrestling fan for real probably since uh, a good friend of mine who used to order all the pay-per-views had me over to his house to watch, ooh, it was SummerSlam 89, actually. Uh, the big main event was Hulk Hogan and the Ultimate Warrior versus uh, Sergeant Slaughter, Colonel Adnan, and General Mustafa. Did I get all those right, those ranks and names? Uh, yeah, but that was 1991. No, that was 91. That's terrible. Well, that was the first one I saw. It was, it was SummerSlam 91. A little bit I realized I'd never see Ultimate Warrior again, but at the time, <laughs> that was kind of a big deal. I got online uh, in college. I wanted to keep up with what was going on, and I wasn't going to pay for anything. And uh, let's see. That would have been 92-ish. Uh, yeah, it was right around the time of WrestleMania 8, so we can all do the math there. And... It didn't take me long before, uh, and this was a rec sport pro wrestling was all we had, basically. Mm. And I wanted to find some way to contribute. And there was a guy there named Joe Phipp who did really great uh, Superstars recaps. And I, I liked what he did, and it was something that I wanted to do, and I felt it was a good way to contribute without just posting reactionary messages about things happening because you were expected to bring a little content to the table. So I was like, well, nobody's writing up uh, WWF primetime wrestling, so I'll just do a little thing every Monday. And I started that and it went you know only about four months before the show was replaced by monday night raw so really i kind of lucked into it because at the time nobody else was doing it and gained a little bit of a following and somehow i ended up doing it for the better part of two years and then i stopped and uh it was only because rick skya was a, a fellow rec sport pro wrestling guy and in that time there weren't a lot of wwf fans but uh he remembered me and when he decided he wanted to start uh, wrestlemaniacs with uh, mike samuda they thought that I would be a good guy to do the Monday reports. And uh, they had me. Originally, I just thought I was going to do Rob. And they said, why don't you do Raw and Nitro? And I was dumb enough to say, oh, sure, I got Google for free time, and it doesn't matter. At the time, I lived in California. Nitro actually aired at 5, so I could do Nitro, still have an hour off, and then do Raw. Obviously, at this time, I was content to just you know write in real time and not be as, uh, let's say, anal as I am now. Mm. And uh, the rest is history. Wow. What was... um. I actually did find your first uh, primetime wrestling recap from September of 1992. Oh, see, you're cheating. You're online while you're talking to me, and I'm nowhere near my laptop. Oh no, th- this was research. I was a broadcast oh, okay. journalist. I, uh, <laughs> I like how you, I like how you ended it. You said this is harder than I thought. Hope someone read it. Thought, <laughs> someone did read it. Yes, yeah, some, some people may have read these uh, over the years. And what was um, what was the internet like back then? This is 1992. Was it was it just like a few people? Was it a, like a wonderland of Intelligent well, conversation. I had actually come up. I was a you know the prototypical nerd with the thick glasses, and when my dad brought home our first Apple II Plus, that was the coolest thing ever. And I learned BASIC, and you know I learned how to make very low res graphics of things that may have looked like other things if the resolution hadn't been so terrible. <laughs> so uh, we were one of the first people to get 300 baud modems, and we logged onto a lot of BBSs in those days. This was you know even earlier 80s. And that was all you had was you would make a local call because you didn't want to, you know, incur any phone bills or the wrath of your parents. And uh, from BBSs, 
that was how we kind of found the Internet. And then in college, you know, what we had was Usenet. We didn't have the web at all, but we had Usenet. And it was like a giant bulletin board, and there were a lot more things you could talk about with other people and a lot more people that were getting into it. But, you know, it was basically an academic crowd. Weren't a lot of commercial people using it except people whose business, you know, was computer-related. So we would like to think that most of those people were on the higher end of the intelligence scale. And so talking about this lowbrow stuff at kind of a higher level was really great. And when we talk about a golden age, it really was compared to, you know, you know, the downfall started when they allowed Prodigy people on and AOL people on and CompuServe people on, and it just kind of diluted the gene pool. And that's why, you know, Rexport Pro Wrestling kind of slipped and slid to what it is today uh, where you might see wrestling in about 5% of the posts. But, uh, you know, nobody cares about using it anyways because we're all logged on to the web and there are so many people that think the web is the Internet now. Back in those days, you know, the Internet was an entirely different thing. But for us, the Internet was Usenet. And uh, Usenet was a great thing. And what's also great is that someone had the good sense to hold on to these things long enough for Google to grab them. And if you're ever bored, you can just take a trip back in time and see some of these stupid people saying stupid things long before they were famous. And, boy, they regret it now. But, you know... I'm glad that a lot of people uh, weren't up in arms and telling Google to remove their early stuff because it really does give you a snapshot of how things were. Was there anyone around back in that time who still posts and follows wrestling today you would see online? or uh, Posting to Rexport Pro Wrestling, probably the biggest ones were, uh, I mean, of course, Cher. He's the mm-hmm. king of all media, as we know. And there were actually, uh, you know, some semi-famous performer-type people. They didn't post very often, but... Guys who were really into the business or behind the scenes. Uh, one of my favorite guys was Ed Zahn. He was a guy who put on ECW shows, in, not in Pennsylvania, but in some of the other towns. He was a booker, but we, he would post online about things happening in ECW, and we actually met him when they had the first convention, which uh, later evolved into CyberSlam, but the first RSPW convention was Double Tables in February '95, mm. And uh, that's where a lot of us met each other for the first time. That's where I met Rick. And we still have photos that Rick won't let me put online because he doesn't want anyone to know what he looks like. But a uh, lot of fun. Um, probably the most famous person was uh, Johnny B. Bad, when he was Johnny B. Bad. And then when he became Wild Man Mark Marrow, he seemed to just kind of stop posting, and that sort of led into one of the first, oh, WWF doesn't let people do anything on the Internet kind of deals. Oh. And people forget at the time, but when the first websites came up, WWF was really anal about any kind of pictures or logos or anything they would send out cease and desist letters all over the place. Finally, somebody got in their head that this was, wasn't something that they were really going to score a lot of points with or, or actually succeed or get any money out of, so they kind of stopped with that. But I think we still see that today when uh, things like uh, videos on YouTube, you know, they seem to be, the link gets posted, and then mysteriously a couple days later you can't seem to get to that video anymore. Yeah. And it really just seems like a short-sighted way of, you know, keeping us from getting into the product in a way that, because it's not controlled by them, you know, well, we can't have that. Mm. So that's why, you know, sometimes you worry that, you know, you talk about certain things, or I used to worry, not so much anymore because it's been so long, but when I would transcribe things verbatim, sometimes I would worry that, hey, ooh, someone just might come after me because they don't want it out there. And then at the same time, I'll see later that people from Titan Towers have been like, borrowing my content because they've been trying to do some kind of research on God knows what, or, or they've just been bored like anybody else working at any other company. <laughs> <than that. laughs> 
Yeah, my uh, internet story is kind of the same as yours. Um, I, I went to college uh, fall of 95. That's when I first got on the internet. And pretty much the first thing I did was see what, what uh, wrestling content there was out there because back then, I mean, wrestling was not cool, uh, to say the least. It was you, you kept it hidden like a drug habit. Especially, I, I, I think King Mabel and Sir Mo would kind of keep anyone from uh, admitting they were a wrestling fan at that time. Yeah, but uh, yeah, exactly. And the great thing about the internet was you could talk about wrestling with other people who were into it, if not uh, just as much as you, uh, maybe even to a more insane degree. And that How was, many uh, sites uh, were up? Do you remember when you were on? God, not not a lot. I not, just remember not uh, more than a dozen, maybe. Probably. I think that's about the time I actually started working for an internet company. It was just it was all t- total dumb luck of falling into this. I had no idea what I wanted to do when I grew up. But I was on the internet in college, and ISPs were starting up in the Bay Area. I was like, well, you know, I have a, a quasi-I-can-fake-a-tech-support background. Maybe I'll just sign up for one of these things. Ended up at a startup, and fortunately, you know, had free internet, which was all that mattered to, to me in 1995. Well, I should, mm. if I knew then what I knew now. But, uh, yeah. you know, just the whole thing and staying in touch and being out there, and people knew I was there, and people knew how to reach me. And that was, you know, how Rick found me again in 98, and we're back to me getting famous again. Or yeah. at least whatever we want to call being famous. I, it's probably about the 11th or 12th level of celebrity then, but uh, still, you know, not bad. No, it's not bad. Um, now, you did the, the Raw reviews in, in 93 and 94. What was Raw like back? I'm, I'm sure you don't remember these shows, but I mean, I remember these shows being pretty bad. I mean, someone Raw was a can't miss, anything can happen, exciting. Oh. Okay, one, one week. <laughs> the week that uh, Sean Waltman beat Razor Ramon, that was a big deal. And you got to remember that for them, they'd actually set this up because two weeks earlier they had him de- debut, and he was—he wasn't the lightning kid? kid. He was, yeah, he was the cannonball kid, and of course he got squashed, and mm-hmm. people were up in arms about it. And even then, you can just see that there was this smart contingent. Oh, what are they doing? This lightning kid is the greatest guy. Oh, I'm not going to call him the cannonball kid. And blah 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 blah. The week after that, he was on. He was the kamikaze kid. Completely different name, didn't explain it. He still had L.Kid on his tights. <laughs> For years afterwards, my roommate at the time would go, Ooh, L.Kid. And, you know, he got squashed again. Oh, what is Vince doing with those? Oh, Lightning Kid is the greatest talent of wasting him. What's going on? And this is terrible. I don't know why I keep watching this show and posting to this board. And then, you know, the next week he got his, he was the kid. Got this fluke win over Razor Ramon. Oh, this is the most exciting show in television. I can't believe this happened. It's great. Vince is really on to something. And that's about actually the only thing I remember from 1993, other than they actually booked Doink versus Marty Jannetty in a two out of three falls match. I thought that was pretty hot shit. And I, I said, take that, oh, Herb Kunzi. Two out of three falls, Doink and Marty Jannetty. That's work rate, baby. Oh, boy. And they were in the... Uh... The Manhattan Center, I think, in the very early days. They weren't in the Manhattan Center. They were in the Mid-Hudson Center, or they were in Bushkill. They were in these, yeah, these C and D level places. And But it was great. It was exciting. It was because, you know, we had had years and years of superstars and challenge, and that was stuff that was that could be two months old. And yeah. so much of it was squash matches. And even here, you know, okay, we got... Shawn Michaels and Max Moon. And we know that Max Moon isn't going to be able to, to beat Shawn Michaels, but still, it's a pretty competitive match. It's interesting. It's almost like stuff we would get on Saturday night's main event. And it was like mm. having a one-hour Saturday night's main event every Monday. And that was really exciting because we hadn't had it before. We really take it for granted now. At least, you know, 
it's kind of gone back the other way where some people boy, you know, I wish we'd have a couple more squash matches every now and then. And people don't complain when they get fed one, which I think is great, mm-hmm. except for a couple people. Oh, this is a big step down for, ooh, MAGA to face uh, <laughs> Alex uh, Shane Dash, whatever. What was his name? Uh, Sage? Alex Sage. Sage? Sounds good. Sure. Normally, you know, in my younger days, I'd remember the dude's name, and I'd remember him two years from now. But, you know, that's kind of how it's gone with me. Old it's, Asian wrestling. Yeah. It's good to know the internet really hasn't changed at all <laughs> in, in some big ways. It really hasn't. I mean, you know, the way it manifests itself is always different, but you can kind of, you know, it's not that the internet has to change, it's that people don't change. Yeah. As much as we would like to think we're more enlightened than we were, there's still a lot of that base stuff and just a lot of, it's so easy when you're behind a keyboard to just act out a certain way and to yeah. really display your lack of knowledge because who's going to call you on it? Well, I'll try, but uh, oftentimes I'm not there. That's true. I do agree on the uh, the quality of wrestling. Like when you saw, you know, Duke Drosy against IRS, you're like, wow, what a showdown! <laughs> that could go either way. <laughs> yeah, really could. You kind of you kind of miss matches like that. Even watching Raw last night, I think we pretty much knew who was going to win most of the matches. And it was, you know, it used to be that you knew who was going to win, but it was okay because they would do it in an entertaining fashion. But uh, yeah. well, you know, there I am pining again. Well, there you go. But um, <laughs> oh, let me ask you this: uh, Do you still watch everything? Oh, like how much wrestling do you watch nowadays? I try to watch everything. I'll be honest; I haven't caught TNA since um, they made the time slot change. Mm-hmm. Thursdays have never been good for me. Even when SmackDown was on, I tended to get to it over the weekend. And TNA being there, at least before they had a replay that was right after Raw, that was very convenient, so I could still watch Impact. Mm-hmm. But now. The replay is in the original time slot, and I wasn't really catching it on Saturday nights to begin with. So TNA, not so much. WWE, I will try to catch uh, all the television. I won't watch Raw, or not, I won't watch Heat. Uh, I didn't watch Velocity. It's, I'm just, I can't do it. I, I can't sit down on the computer. That's like wasting twice as much time and half as much, I don't know. It, it, it just seems like a, something that I won't do. If I really want to, I can read Cubs' report anyway, so there's no yeah. point in actually watching the show. Um, and, of course, now I've subjected myself to ECW for these 10 weeks, and uh, I've, I've told myself I would do the first 12, and then I would see. Now, I, my hope is it gets so awful that I will just want to keep doing it to uh, piss people off, but uh, mm. we'll have to see about that. Okay, well... Jumping ahead a bit to uh, when you started doing Raw and Nitro, I remember your your recaps were just really insanely detailed. How the hell did you get all those out by by Tuesday morning? I worked Graves on Monday. Oh. I did it during work most of the time. I got paid to do it, which was awesome. When you work oh. at a graveyard and you your job is basically to make sure that servers stay alive, you find that uh, even though there's someone on 24 hours a day, people actually using the machines don't tend to be on at night. So... There isn't a lot going on, so you find other ways of filling your time. There happened to be a, a VCR there. So I was like, well, okay, I'm working grave. It doesn't seem like a problem. Uh, so I went ahead and did it, and somehow I got away with it for a long time. Even after I was moved to days, I was still young enough where I could just uh, kind of skip sleep and do it. And it got to the point where I could do a two-hour show in just under three hours. So it wasn't like I was adding a lot to it. It I would usually end up taking long breaks, uh, trying to find some esoteric web link to put in somewhere, you know, or try to figure out what the area code of the city they were in or some nonsense like that. I used to have a lot of running gags going, which I became a slave to. Hopefully I've cut back on that, but a lot of people seemed to like them, so I did them at the time. 
But most of, to make your short answer extremely long, I did a lot of it uh, while I was getting paid for my real job, and that was why I didn't worry so much about whether I was getting paid to do the recaps. I, I the two recappers I always read were you and John Petri Petri, the guy who ran Slobernarka Central. And um, yeah, I would say was, I would say Petri because Petri would seem to not have the other e on the end. Yeah, and he he always did these super short recaps. He'd be like, you know, Mike Enos versus Laparka. Uh, Enos wins with a power slam. Uh, next. <laughs> Uh, well, you know, there's the market for that. There are a lot of people who don't want to, you know. I think, you know, the next day, the day after, or if you've seen the show, P- uh, now I'm going to say Petrie. Petrie is the guy you want to read because you aren't really interested in what happened because you know what happened. You just want to know what some guy thought of it. And this is a guy you've read week to week, so you're interested in his opinions. I like to think of mine as kind of uh, written for the historian where, you know, 20 years from now, if people don't have the tape, but they kind of want to get a flavor of what happened. They could go back and they could read my thing. It'll hopefully still be out there somewhere. So, you know, not as useful for some people the next day, but hopefully invaluable years from now, just like trying to read those, you know, 98 or 99 recaps now. I don't know where else you could go on the web, and here I am blowing my own horn, uh, to find out what happened on those shows in the level of detail as me anywhere else on the uh, entire web, even, uh, you know, old Rexport Pro Wrestling postings, go figure. Mm. Now, uh, that was a pretty exciting time for um, to be a wrestling fan back then because uh, wrestling became cool, and, and being in college, I remember we used to have people packed into a room to watch Raw and Nitro, but uh, did you ever really get fed up during some of those really bad Nitros? Not only the Russo ones, but some of those uh, ponderous 1999 three-hour marathons. <laughs> I think the best way to, to tell that is to kind of look at what I was writing there, and there were times where... Uh, you know, 10-minute matches would get maybe two sentences from me. Mm-hmm. And that was just, you know, for some reason they decided that Van Hammer and uh, some representative of the Japanese contingent of the NWO were just going to go 10 minutes for the hell of it. And I was like, you know, screw it. I'm not going to write about this. Nobody's going to want to read it anyway. But I never thought of not doing it. I think it was, for me, it was just a way to pass the time. And I really liked getting uh, the email. You know, it was a lot better back then because people felt that they could write to me and, you know, my mailbox wasn't overrun with spam. So Mondays, Monday nights, I could write the reports. And then Tuesdays, I could spend at least half of my shift just answering people's emails. I think that was another thing, was that I got a reputation as a guy who actually answered his email. So I would tend to get more email out of it. And that was a blast. And I still have, you know, probably 10,000 emails in a file somewhere where if I ever, you know, feel like the end is near, I could just probably open that up and be taken back and smile. Uh, because for most part, they were really understanding people, and they weren't, uh, you know, WCW fans telling me how wrong I was and how WCW <laughs> was going to win the day, and boy, I was going to be sorry. But uh, those guys all disappeared right around uh, the last week of the show, even when I, I dedicated the, resp- the recap especially to them. Uh, speaking of the death of WCW, did, did you ever think it would get to a point where it would go out of business, even some of those bad as those shows were? Did you ever just think, well... It'll still be around in some capacity, even if it's not perhaps Monday night. I always thought it would be running, and I always thought because it was under the Turner umbrella, there would be no way that it it could ever disappear. And I think, you know, it really started becoming a reality for me right around the time that they brought Russo back the second time because all uh, all the rumors about selling out, people buying the company, all those things were starting to sound like they would actually happen. And... It just—it never seemed like it could, but once it did, I was like, okay, well, if they're going to do that, if Turner doesn't own them anymore, 
will Turner really give him the television time, or will they charge so much that it won't be worth it, or what will happen? And I think it all came down to uh, president at the time, it was Jamie Kellner, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, working for Turner, who said, you know, we're not going to have the stigma of wrestling on our networks, and that was it. Once there was no TV, you know, you knew it was over. Mm. And uh, why'd you stop recapping in 2002? Did wrestling just kind of stop being fun without without WCW there as competition? I think that was part of it. Uh, it I was really doing the same thing twice a week, and it was getting harder and harder. Yeah, I wasn't really as into it, and it became something that I kind of dreaded doing instead of looking forward to doing. And at the time, um, the time that I finally decided I was going to do it, right around, you know, I'd actually done a fake-out a couple of months earlier. The first week, and it was I think it was about July 2002, Bischoff came out as a guest of Vince McMahon, and they shook hands, and they raised their arms, and I just said to myself, you know what? That's it. I quit, and I turned off my page, <laughs> and I didn't send a report into Rick, and everybody freaked out, and it was awesome because everybody was, "Oh my God, what's going to happen? What are we going to do?" And acting like their very lives depended on me putting out a recap of a crappy wrestling show, I couldn't believe it. But that was kind of what put the seeds in place for me. And then I finally decided, as uh, my girlfriend at the time in New York. And I got closer to actually getting together and her moving in with me. I decided, you know what, I'm going to drive over there, or I'm going to I'm gonna take a one-way flight over there, and I'm going to drive a truck back with all of her stuff in it and move into my house. This seems like a great time to make a break from uh, doing the recap thing. And that was really what sealed it for me. And I, I even then I kind of thought, you know, I could just catch up when I get back. And I was like, <laughs> no, you know what, let's just take a break and nothing's – you know, it's the same amount of money in my pocket either way, so it doesn't hurt anything by me stopping. I'm going to go ahead and stop, and I did. And it really, haven't re- really regretted it since. Uh, other people did pick it up, you know. I mean, Cubs has been recapping like a fiend, and he he almost has the whole thing covered. And it's not like the history isn't out there for people to read, so it's not like, you know, I was doing the world a disservice. I wasn't the only person doing it by this time. Lots of people mm. were. And uh, so, what was my point? I don't know. I'm glad I stopped. I'm glad I'm not doing it now, even though I'm kind of doing it now. I don't feel like I'm doing it now. It's only a one-hour show. It's really easy. I could stop at any time again, no problem. But uh, once you start doing something and you get really anal attentive, sometimes it's kind of hard to stop and you find yourself still doing it. So who knows? Yeah. I just remember back in the... Uh... The, the boom period, like, everyone wanted to write about wrestling online, and, and you would post, like, six or seven articles a day on your website, and now it just seems no one really cares anymore. Well, that was the thing. Because it was cool, and because I guess people thought that they could somehow generate their own fandom and become famous for being themselves, and everybody thought that, you know, any idiot could do it, and in a sense, they were right. Any idiot can do this, but to mm-hmm. do it, you have to do it as often and for as long as somebody like I have, or Scott has, or Rick has, and I can use their first names because you know who I'm talking about. That's how long they've been doing it, and those are the people you're going to go read. And it's tough for people who start late. You know, it's a little easier when it's popular because, you know, people will just glom on to anything to do with wrestling because they love wrestling so much. But times like now, the fandom, they're very rabid, but it's also smaller, and people have, you know, more discerning tastes, I hate to say. They don't have a lot of time. They'll read two or three, but they're not going to read everything. 
and a lot of people got frustrated when they didn't get the results they wanted as soon as they thought they deserved to get them, and you know that's how you go from hundreds of recappers to just a few. And as you say, it got less and less popular, less people started up, so when people left, there was nobody to take their place, and that's how the pool kind of dwindled. And, you know, it's a lot easier now, actually. You know where you need to go, here or here, and uh, that's uh, that's the story as I see it. All right. And, you know, uh, so I don't actually finish my answers. I kind of trail off, and then I realize I'm trailing off, so I feel like I have to end the sentence, and I come up with something really stupid. I had noticed that. That's a technique. I was really paying attention, <laughs> so... All right, moving along. You did make a brief comeback. I think you reviewed the first nine uh, TNA pay-per-views, which was just what, what are your. I, I've actually seen those two, and you and I may be the only people uh, in existence. <laughs> the cable box your... still worked back then. <laughs> yeah. Well, what were your memories of some of those early shows? I sure did. Sure was glad I didn't pay for those things. Yeah. You know, I think it was part uh, wide-eyed optimism, people wanting something different. You know, WWF just wasn't cutting it. I didn't, uh, they were WWE then, weren't they? Uh, that bummed a lot of people out, too, me included. Mm. But when TNA came up, it was like, okay, something finally, something interesting, something cool. And I'll be honest, I was extremely cynical, and I thought, well, they'll get their 13 weeks, and then they'll go bankrupt. So I saw it as a limited engagement, so I figured it wouldn't hurt to go ahead and do it. And in the end, I only did those 13 weeks, and then I let it go. But uh, I did keep watching as long as the cable held out. But... Um, it really was just kind of warmed over WCW, and the problem was that WCW wasn't very good in 2000, uh, in 2000, yeah. 2001. So, you know, all these guys were older. Why were people interested in seeing it? And, you know, maybe it was the, the awesome Mortimer Plum Tree, but uh, it sure wasn't Cheeks. Oh, Cheeks. And the brown eye girl. <laughs> Whatever became of Cheeks? I hope he's not dead. I don't know. I think he's very lucky that his match got uh, aired at all because. You know, they taped two pay-per-views a week that time, and that was one of the yeah. taped ones. And they, you know, that was one of the things. They had every chance to cut that match, but for <laughs> some reason, they didn't. And, uh, well, aren't we the luckier for it? Because somewhere out there, there's a copy of TNA number two, and it has the only match of Cheeks. Yep. I also remember the great uh, Ron Killings versus uh, race car driver feud. <laughs> Where, um, uh, it was Hermie Sadler, right? It was Hermie Sadler. And Hermie I, I, Sadler is still promoting shows today, though, so you know, at least that relationship has gone good. Oh, that's good. I, I still remember when um, I actually found the uh, the transcript of the interview Ron Killings did where he was talking about my kind and says, we do arm drops, we do leg drops. I still don't know what an arm drop is. I've never seen one in <laughs> wrestling. But I'll, I'll take the, the truth's word for it, so. Yeah. Aren't you astounded TNA is still alive in some form? Yes. I, I really can't believe they have managed to latch on to the, the people who are seemingly willing to lose money hand over fist for the purpose of, I don't even know, because the Panda people don't <laughs> appear on camera, so unless they just get a great thrill out of being there, I have no idea what's in it for them unless it's some kind of tax write-off. But, you know, I never was one for the financials. I'm kind of like Dave Meltzer that way. <laughs> Can I go on a rant now about the financials? Yeah, go ahead. People talk about how the WWE is doing terrible and how things are awful, and boy, once those once those marketeers see the light, boy, that stock's just going to... And one guy who's actually really been on top of it is my good close personal friend, Flea, uh, for OneRiderFaken.com, and I think he actually gets posted on some mainstream site, but I don't visit it, I'm sorry to say. That's going to get me in big trouble with Widrow. But uh, one of the things he said, and I'll take what he said, steal it, and then kind of expound upon it, 
thing with WWE is they are still making money hand over fist, despite the fact that the product sucks and despite the fact that the fans are unhappy. Something always seems to come along and bail them out. You know, for a while it was those DVDs. Oh, DVD sales are doing so great, but once they stop selling those DVDs, boy, they're in trouble. And then once that happened, it was, oh, well, they're running house shows in Europe for the first time, and they're making money hand over fist, but once they stop doing that, boy, they're going to be in big trouble. And, you know, it just happened again this week. Comcast announced that they're going to pick up WWE 24-7. Can you imagine how many people who hate today's product are more than willing to pony up a mere $7.98 a month to get WWE 24-7, and they'll do that for months. And so now for another another couple quarters, it'll be, oh, gosh, they're still making money hand over fist. How can this be? The product sucks, and we hate it, and wrestling sucks, and WWE sucks. Man, they're still making money. But, you know, people are going to see through it, and, boy, they're going to be in big trouble then. And the thing is, they keep finding ways to open revenue streams. They don't actually have to make their product better because they keep finding other ways of using the existing product. And that's why Vince is such a genius. The end. Yes. He may be a complete madman in uh, in some ways, but his business is run about as well as a business can be. It doesn't well, matter if it's wrestling or not. And the beautiful thing about it is the whole reason they went public in the first place was to find a way to get Vince more money. And by doing it, by issuing dividends, they found a way for Vince to give himself a whole boatload of money without any of the uh, nasty tax things that you know paying yourself would do, mm. which is why his actual salary seems so low. But... Uh, don't count out that stock. I don't own any, but uh, I know people who do. Okay. All right, well, um, ECW's back, and you're back recapping it, and you listed three reasons why you came back, because the show would only be an hour, which is still true. Yes. Because you thought it would only last 13 weeks, which uh, will not be true. You know what? I stopped thinking that after the first week, though. When the when I was told that you know the sci-fi people would have been happy with Doctor Who ratings, <laughs> and obviously they were going to double that almost every week, you know, I kind of knew that that wasn't going to happen. I kind of did my bit to say, oh, you know, ooh, it's only going to be another 11 weeks, everybody. But, uh, you know, I know it's still going to go on, and it'll go on as long as it's okay for WWE to do it. They may try to get more money out of sci-fi, but they'll go on with it just because they like having uh, they like having as much TV as possible. They're not going to say no to TV. Mm-hmm. What was the and third you, reason? And you also said you didn't trust anyone else to be objective. And, uh, what, what, <laughs> Did I say that? Yeah, well, you had objective in quotation marks. So did I that meant, mean you, you thought I, people would be too harsh or too easy on the I product? meant my kind of objective. Oh, well, okay. I think my biggest fear, fortunately, I've been wrong. It hasn't uh, gone out as, as I thought it would, was that there would be, and we'll call them ECW fans, mm-hmm. although they're not the type of ECW fans today. They're the ECW fans from the golden years mm-hmm. that would be so happy that ECW was on that any crappy thing that was flung up there would just be manna from heaven, outstanding, greatest thing I'd ever seen, and I just, I wanted to cut the crap. And I, if Heyman did something awful, I wanted to say, look, Heyman did something awful. There's so many people willing to forgive him that it's kind of become a running joke over at boards like uh, other arena. Anytime something bad gets back to the sheet writers, people know that Heyman is a source there, so it's always, well, yeah, Heyman's trying to cover his butt. Oh, I know that sucked, but that wasn't me. That was, you know, some other guy. And that was one of the things I was really worried about. The other one is that somehow matches, such as last night's, the Sabu-Rob Van Dam ladder match. And, you know, we'll put aside all the illogic in getting that together, it even happening, it being for the number one contendership, and we'll focus solely on the match, that the work rate was awful. 
that we wouldn't want people saying, ooh, innovative, exciting, different. This is what we need on uh, out of our wrestling show. The fact was that match kind of sucked, and I was afraid that were other people to talk about it, that they would say, wow, things are really looking up. This was a great match, and I look forward to more of the same. I don't know. I think that's been the case. I mean, if you want to cut the crap, there's been quite a bit of it to cut uh, <laughs> lately. And Well, take last week. The main event was Sabu and Kurt Angle uh, in a number one contenders match. And this should have been a big deal. This was the first time that Sabu and Kurt Angle had ever wrestled. And, you know, although I didn't think it, there were a lot of people that thought Sabu was, you know, really hot stuff and a great guy. And to have him face Kurt Angle, that was a dream match. That was exciting. And, you know, do you remember anything about that match other than it really sucked at the end when Rob Van Dam came out and totally whiffed on the Van Daminator? Uh, I don't remember anything because I didn't bother to watch it, so. <laughs> well, there you go. That's that's the problem. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think people have realized it's it's not really ECW. It's just another brand, and you can judge it on its own merits, of which there aren't that many. Yeah, thankfully, people did come to that conclusion, and they didn't need my help to do it, so. You know, unfortunately, I, I had a chance to overestimate my own importance, and maybe I took it, but uh, there are still enough people that kind of like what I did to uh, keep me going for at least a couple more weeks. Sure. What did you think of the uh, the show from the Hammerstein Ballroom uh, a few weeks back? I thought uh, it was a good show, but the problem with that, and, you know, the Hammerstein crowd, the TNA crowd, they kind of have the same problem. They are really in love with themselves. Mm-hmm. and really want to get themselves over even more than the matches. And this has actually been a problem of both breeds of ECW fans going back, is that they were really worried about getting their chance on television and, you know, being part of the show. You ain't part of the show. You are the audience. It's just not going to happen. And the only reason you think you're part of the show is because they're letting you think that because they think that's the easiest way to get you to take your money and give it to them. Uh, having said that, um, probably the best time to debut CM Punk. Uh, I believe he's overrated and overhyped. And anyone who had never seen uh, him before they started watching ECW should have absolutely no reason to be impressed by him. But, uh, you know, that's me trying to look at it from different eyes. And part of me reacting to message board posting saying, oh, when's CM Punk going to show up? Uh, CM Punk is the future. Where's, why hasn't CM Punk wrestled a match? Well, you know, he's just not that good. <laughs> I hate to say it. What's, is he like a, an MMA fighter? Is that his gimmick now? Or is he just, is they just toss that in there? I, I remember he's talking about like being Muay Thai and Taekwondo. And Would you say like, he has a gimmick? I mean, all he's done, he, he's had three or four 30-second spots to talk about how he's straight edge. Now, apparently, straight edge means something to the kids, but uh, to, to old me, it just means he's missing out on a lot of fun things. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, Styles does his best to work in Muay Thai and Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu as if anyone is interested about that. I don't know. I still haven't seen this magical MMA wrestling crossover that uh, Shirley Meltzer's counting on to keep him in business for years and years. But, I mean, I'll, I'll watch uh, Ultimate Fighter, but it's not must-see viewing for me, and it's not something I will look at with uh, as as much excitement as I do for wrestling. And, you know, I kind of consider MMA just kind of like boxing, and there aren't even that many people watching boxing anymore, so maybe I'm wrong there, too. Mm. And uh, I, I just remember that, that 
that main event. I mean, in a way, the WWE only has themselves to blame for booking Big Show versus Batista <laughs> without any reason at all. I mean, was there a reason for that, or was it just like, oh, Batista's going to show up? No, and they've been doing that for a couple weeks, in fact. You know, at least a couple weeks before that, when they were being not as lazy as they were, they were at least trying to set it up on Raw, oh, this is going to happen, or this is going to happen, here's why. But Batista showing up, I, I don't know, just for the hell of it, I guess. And who's coming this way? Oh, why, it's it's Kane, and here's Kane. Why is Kane here? I, we're not going to tell you, but there he is. But, yeah, the crowd, uh, the crowd uh, having problems with Big Show and Batista, I, it's not as if they don't have a point, but, uh, you know, what would have been better in its place? I yeah. don't know. They really booked themselves into a hole. I'm not sure that since, with the exception of very possibly the very first show, there's been someone from the WWE on this show almost every week, I think. And it's they're going to have to decide, do they want this to just merely be something that is an extension to Raw or an extension to SmackDown or alternatively? Or is this truly going to be its own thing and carve out its own niche? And if it is, you know, how are they going to do a better job of making sure that only their talent is on this show and that they stop trying so damn hard to get people to watch Raw and SmackDown out of it? Mm. Like, what, what do you think is going to happen to this brand? Do you think it's just going to go along with, you know, the, the sci-fi show and very poorly received and poorly attended house shows? Well, yeah, I, I think it's going to be more of the same for the future. I think they have, uh, with their ratings for this current quarter of shows, they have bought themselves enough time to just kind of flounder along as they have been. I don't see... If they can actually, you know, if Vince will justify the expense of having additional taping for them, except for every so often, even though it's a greater dynamic, and that was another way that I feel that that Hammerstein crowd really shot themselves in the foot. First thing they did was try to get a chant on the screen that would had to be turned down, and they don't like that. And that's why I said I'm not sure Vince is ever going to do a taping there again, because, or at least a live one, just because the reactions there are so off from what he would want what he would want from ECW, WWE fans of the whole product that I don't know if he's going to risk doing another house show there or not, or I should say another taping. House shows, sure, they could probably sell that place out anytime they want. Well, at least for a few, a few times, then people will either decide that, hey, this really does suck, I don't know why we're still coming, and they'll stop, or you know, somehow the product will become closer to what the crowd wants to be. Is it really so hard to tailor a show to a crowd? I guess it is because that means you're giving up your control because you are letting the fans control it. And God knows we certainly don't want that in this company. Yeah. Yeah. I remember when uh, ECW had a house show around about a half hour away, and I was somewhat excited when I when they first announced it back in, uh, I don't know, May. But when it got closer, I'm, I was just like, boy, this sure sounds shitty. Uh, I'm not going to go. <laughs> I, I don't know why you'd buy a ticket for a show you're not going to like. You know, there are a lot the, of people, you, know, you would think that too, but there sure seem to be a lot of people who buy tickets so they can show up and crap on stuff, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I did the same thing. I went to the SmackDown taping, and I wasn't sure if I was going to like it or not, but I knew I'd at least be able to crap on it if I hated it. <laughs> you know, there's a, actually, there's going to be another ROH show. They do, I think, one a year in St. Paul. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's one coming up in September. I'm thinking I should actually go, except for the fact that there are so many people who are so into ROH that I'm not sure I will like it as much. Right now, I'm totally basing it on I'll buy a ticket if I know for sure that Nigel McGuinness is going to be there. Because I've seen him actually do uh, APW and uh, what took over APW, Pro Wrestling Iron Mm -hmm. shows. 
that guy is great. He's gold. He, he has a personality. I am really surprised he hasn't. You know, maybe it's by choice, but uh, or maybe they're afraid they'll get burned if they take another British wrestler. But that guy, as far as I'm concerned, is money, and I'd love to see him again. And you know, that's probably not a way to go into it because there are probably so many good things about ROH, and I'll admit I've never seen it. Uh, that's one against me. That I would probably like everything on there if only I would just give it a chance. But right now, it's just you know, actually making the effort to go and get a ticket and sit down with a bunch of I have a feeling there'll be a bunch of idiots who will want to, you know, half of us will chant for one wrestler and half of us will chant for the other wrestler. And then after some chain wrestling and people miss lots of moves, we'll applaud and show our indie respect. And it's just kind of, will I enjoy it or will I, will my surroundings take away my enjoyment from it? As someone who's been to, yeah. <laughs> As someone who's been to, I think, 16 Ring of Honor shows, uh, your assessment's pretty much dead on. <laughs> but you, did you still enjoy it? Of course. I mean, 16, you would think you keep going, so yeah. something will bring something brings you back. What is it? Uh, it just that uh, the wrestling's so good, it, it transcends any shittiness the crowd may exude. Okay. It's not just a habit for you, then. It, it oh, is no. actually something you look forward to and enjoy yep. going to, and we'll go to again. It was, and uh, they stopped coming up here for, for about uh, 10 months, I think, and I was very sad. And you now they started running. You missed it. I did. I said, because there's really nothing else around here. All right, I will work harder at getting a ticket, and then I will report my findings back to you. All right, I, I give it a, a, a thumbs up. and um, <laughs> Well, we people see. do, but uh, they aren't pointing with the thumbs, if you know what I mean. Well, yeah. but um, I, Actually, on Nigel, I think he actually showed up in OVW on his own, maybe looking for some work. So It's funny, I think they wanted a British wrestler, and they, they sent some guy back to, to Britain. I think his name was Steve Lewington? They had an OVW to learn the British style, and it's like, well, Nigel McGuinness is right here, and, and he knows the style, and he's very good, and I don't know. You almost get the sense that they don't want anyone to come in that they feel will have to do a lot of unlearning, mm. when that's exactly the wrong attitude that they should have, and yet it just seems so pervasive over there. we got to teach you the WWE style, whatever the hell that is. It's not even something I'm sure I like, but uh, that's what they're teaching people. Yeah. Well, we have SummerSlam on Sunday, and I should be there live, barring a complete catastrophe, which I wouldn't rule out. <laughs> which may very well happen. I do have to venture into Boston for this show. But um, are you getting the uh, SummerSlam card? Uh, I think it would be safe to say that sometime on Monday I will probably be watching it. Okay. If you catch my drift. Hmm, what could this mean? <laughs> Must be a time delay. But, um, yeah, is this uh, something... You're looking forward to, or you think it's like, well, it's just another show, or... You know, despite the fact that I really shouldn't, uh, I'm still enough of a sucker that I buy into the whole Foley uh, flair thing, and I I don't... It's not that I want to think it won't be good, I'm worried that it won't be good, and yet I'm still going into it thinking, man, this could be good, just on the basis of the fact that there have been some pretty compelling, not necessarily great but very interesting interviews given by both men, uh, maybe both past their prime when it comes to really, you know, selling something. But Foley's especially have been so good that they do get me interested, and they really make me think that they're both going to try really hard to do something that will be special. Uh, aside from Foley Flair, I'm not sure I can name another match. I'm like, well, I could, but the two <laughs> that I'm thinking of have been advertised so much that I'm just sick to death and don't want to see either of them. Why don't you name those two for us? That would be DX versus uh, Shane and Vince. Oh, and, yeah. uh, hell, what was the other one? 
Was it oh, out? you know, the other one's Edge and Cena, and it's not that it, I don't think that those guys are exciting people that I like seeing in matches, but I feel like they've had this match about a half a dozen times this year already. I'm not sure what they're going to bring to this one. You know, the, I think the problem I have most with this match is that they're really hyping this stipulation. If Edge is disqualified, he's going to lose the title. Well, bloody hell, I really think that Cena needs to just hire some guy to run out there and pop John Cena one as soon as the bell rings, and <laughs> lo and behold, there's a disqualification. And there's, a, You know, Russo did that once because I think he had the same line of thinking that I have. The problem uh-huh. is that when once you actually do it and you watch it on TV, you're like, yeah, like, oh, that really did suck, though. <laughs> Maybe uh, John Cena's dad can run out. That would be perfect. Yeah, sure. He's got the experience. You know, back to, to Foley and Flair, I'm kind of wondering what they're going to do because... We've seen um, thumb, we've seen Ric Flair in thumbtacks on television this year. We've I seen fire, that. really? Oh wow! And we've seen fire on pay per view. I mean, tables and chairs get used very, very regularly. I mean, are they gonna have to bust out light tubes or, or <laughs> piranha cacti? Where are um, we headed? Is is Massachusetts a regulated state? I can't remember. I don't think so, but who knows? Light tubes may be okay then. I think we would have to we'd have to check the CZW archives <laughs> and see if they've ever played uh, any Massachusetts places. I don't know. Light tubes, ugh, terrible. No, you know we will. Our imaginations will run wild, and in the end, it'll just be that damned barbed wire covered bat. And yeah. I don't even think that barbed wire is real, but uh, they will certainly slice themselves open to make it appear real. That is one. That's one aspect I don't have high hopes for. But I'm hoping that somehow that there will be intensity and psychology. There's a word that you don't hear very often anymore. And you know, as long as it doesn't end like the Mankind Rock I Quit match, I think we'll be happy. Where they they don't show the guy's mouth, but they play something over the loudspeakers. Mm. Remember how that one ended? Oh yeah. I'm curious. I'm, I'm guessing Cena, since this is his home state, uh, so to speak, will. Will be uh, the resounding favorite, but um, do you think? Uh, I wonder if there'll be any Cena booers. What do you What do you think of Cena? Would you Did you Would you I boo him if you saw him live? I was getting tired of Cena right along with everyone else, but somewhere mm-hmm. along the line, it became such a cool thing to do that I kind of had to rebel and start cheering for Cena again. And I got to say that when Cena actually kept the title at WrestleMania, that was just the capper on just the greatest pay per view of our lifetime. That made me so happy when Triple H tapped out because. Everybody on earth was so sure that Triple H was going to win, and everybody was booing Cena so hard <laughs> that I became not the number one fan, but way up there and a big fan of him. And ever since, the guy just does anything that's asked of him, and it's so hard to fault him because he he could take it easy, or he could get moody, or he could just say, you know, enough of this. And you know, maybe that'll still happen after the movie comes out. He's sort of still trying to be on everybody's good side, but he's just been great. You got to remember. This guy was uh, the main uh, villain on Manhunter. So he's really come a long way, and he loves what he's doing, and it shows it's infectious, and I love the guy. I, I would love to see him take the title back, and I only wonder who he would take on next. I'm hoping it's ooh, MAGA. But, uh, you know, if Edge somehow holds on to the title, what's next for him? Another match with Cena? That's why I really think they've got to pull the trigger and get it back on Cena. Hmm. I think they are going to do... I think the next pay-per-view is Unforgiven in Toronto. So they could do... Uh, maybe if Cena gets the title in his hometown, maybe they could have Edge challenge for the title. Oh, well, see, now, in WWE logic, Cena would lose in Boston, and yeah, then well. uh, Edge would lose in Canada. So that that's a compelling argument. Now I'm not sure who's going to win. 
now I'm interested in this match, Joe. Okay. <laughs> I've, I've done my job. So we have you've gone. Sold, you've sold an ROH ticket and you've sold yeah, a, really. a viewing of uh, Cena versus Edge. All right. Well, we've gone, I believe, 50 minutes now. And, uh, I'm and, all done. And I've only started have... to talk about me. Oof. <laughs> well, we can have a part two where you can... Uh... <laughs> Let's wait a few months. Yeah, that may not be the bad maybe, idea. Maybe by then I'll, I'll uh, be relevant. <laughs> so if you have anything else you want to discuss... Uh... No, the only thing I was going to hit that I didn't was uh, this whole Paul Heyman thing. One more thing about Paul Heyman, and then uh, you can do your, your wrap-up spiel. Paul Heyman, now, apparently he's... The representative of VCW. What do we know? What that is? Any idea? Uh, you got me. Okay. And apparently, you know, he's trying to. I don't know. He wants ECW to have lots of fans or something, and yet he hates all these people that the fans like. And in fact, does he like anybody other than the Big Show? I've been thinking about this. We got Rob Van Dam. Okay, Heyman doesn't like him. We got Sabu. Heyman doesn't like him for whatever reason. Kurt Angle. He's just suspended, so presumably he doesn't like him. I don't know who's left for him to actually <laughs> like. And then the big problem that I have is that Heyman is also the guy doing voiceovers on the ECW ads on Raw. So, like, is this the same guy? Because he sounds really excited about the main event and he wants us to watch it, and yet these are two guys he hates. So, eh, you know, maybe they should just invent, invest a little bit of cash and get a proper voiceover guy for the ECW ads during Raw. That's all I'm saying. How hard can it be? How I'll do it. Sabu, Rob Van Dam, number one, Winter. excitement, ECW, sci-fi, ten, nine, go! That was there. very good. Saved a bunch of money. In fact, you could probably sample that and get a hundred ads out of it. I <laughs> will sample that, but uh... <laughs> Alright, well, I definitely want to thank you for being on. This was a great, great show. Oh, is it really, or are you just it really, that? No, seriously, this you're was... You're going to edit out the later the part where you said it was great, right? <laughs> no, no, I would never fool around like Joe, that. Joe, you are the best in the biz. Thank you for having me. Oh, thank you. And, uh, of course, you have a, uh, your own little message board empire at the, uh, the, the W.com. I suppose I should plug it. Yeah, sure, people don't know how to spell it, so just go to CRZ.net and look for a, uh, a link that says the W. You can even go to SlashWrestling.com if you want. It's still there, although nothing ever happens, but there's a link there as well. And if you didn't know I was doing ECW reports, it's because I've been very stealthy about it. You have to look in the board mark CRZ's World and not the one marked Pro Wrestling. It's kind of a trick, and it keeps people away. <laughs> That's what we're all about. So uh, let's see. I'll do some plugs of my own. We have a brand new URL at Joe versus the World with versus spelled out. We have links to all of our uh, old shows, all prior fifteen of them. I do highly recommend our past two shows. We had two panel shows on the uh, Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame this year, totaling three hours among the two of them. Uh, very highly recommended. And all of them, close personal friends of mine, I believe. Uh, that could very well be. <laughs> And uh, if you like what you hear, please tell your friends, tell anyone. And, um, yeah, thanks, uh, everyone, for listening. And, uh, CRZ, do you have any final words? No, just thanks to everyone for sticking with me this long. I have no idea why, but I do thank you. Please visit the board. Please email me. Please email Joe. Tell him what you thought of the show. Thank you all, and thank you, Joe. All right, thank you, and thanks, everyone, for listening. And I will be back at some point. I, don't, I have no idea when, but uh, I will have a guest, and we'll talk probably pro wrestling. So thanks, everyone, for listening, and I will talk to you soon.